Tanya for the fifth of Marches from the first story. The famous Chassid Reb Gershon of Kitav, who was also related to the Baal Shem Tev, would immerse himself, once immersed himself in the sea while the ship was sailing. The sailors who were accustomed, when they wanted to bathe, they would, they would connect to a ladder, a, a bag, and they would put themselves in the bag and that bag would, like, connect to the water and that you know that way they were always safe from being you know drifted out to sea they were sh- they were shocked with how brave Rugosh Nakitov was and they asked him why and he said there was a there was an accusation against the boat and he was he was doing he was doing ritual immersion he was doing mikvah in order to purify himself and be able to pray to Hashem on behalf to get rid of the evil decree at some point on the journey the the boat found some lake, and was able to anchor there easily. And Rugosh and Kita were seeing that the boat had anchored. He he went down the boat, and he went to the lake to, to do mikvah, to, to, to immerse himself. And while he was doing this, the boat, not realizing that Rugosh and Kitava was all alone, um, began to move. And Rugosh and Kitafa started chasing after the boat. He was a very, a very fast swimmer, and it sounds like the boat wasn't going speeding just yet. So he was able to catch up, but it was it required a lot of effort. And he was able to catch up to the boat, but then when he tried to climb up, the the tar and the smoothness made it impossible. And he kept on trying to catch up and kept on falling behind. And at some point, so much water started getting inside of him, he realized he's starting to drown. And he didn't even have enough power in his mouth to be able to talk. To say the video, to say the last confession, but he felt himself slowly um, slipping into the water, and he started thinking to himself that maybe because he had been so reckless to to go to to mikvah in such a dangerous situation, maybe he was considered like he was committing suicide, and he felt so so he felt so bad about it. And then suddenly, someone on the boat noticed Rigush and Kitava, and they quickly um, they led a boat down, a little rowboat down. They they got Rigush and Kitava. They brought him to the boat. He'd taken a lot of water in, and so they had to um, take care of him. And when he was finally had strength, he wanted to find the person who had um, <clears throat> who had saved his life by noticing him, so he could give him money, pay, you know, um, um, reward him to you know make sure that he gets his reward in this world. And the they couldn't. They couldn't work out. They couldn't um, spot the person that had done it. No one knew who who the person that had called out was. And Gershon Kitava understood that this was Eliyahu Hanavi. Eliyahu Hanavi had come to save his life. The Tanya so far yesterday, we we dealt with Raya Mahemna. We dealt with a, a very famous piece of Zaya that's very misunderstood. And the Al Tareva asked two questions on it, two questions, I guess, that are asked on it, that without proper understanding seem like very large questions. Of course, Al-Tab is going to answer them, but so far we have two questions. Question number one is, how could the Zoya imply that any part of Torah, like, for example, Halacha, is the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Isn't all of Torah the tree of life? That's question number one. And question number two is, based on the understanding, incorrect understanding of, of the Zaya, it, impli- it, it seems to imply that the study of Halacha doesn't, su- doesn't um, supersede the, the, the obligation to pray, because praying is arranged based on the order of the Zaya, and the, the, 
study of halacha is just halacha, it sounds like. So it shouldn't supersede it, and yet we see, in fact, that it does supersede it. That if, uh, that a person is able to learn and is able to supersede prayer. So it sounds like another question from the Zaya. And today we're going to begin the third question of the Zaya, and let's begin. There's another question that's absolutely wondrous, of course, based on the simple understanding. Once the question is a- answered, then we'll realize it was just a lack of understanding that, that invoked this question. But the way we're understanding it right now, it sounds like a very big question. It sounds like from the Zoya that we read yesterday that in, when Shia comes, we're not going to have to know anything about purity and impurity. We're not going to have to know about what's permissible and what's forbidden. It sounds like when Shia comes, all the mitzvahs and all the, the laws are all entirely off the table. That's the implications of the Zoya. We know Mashiach comes, it's going to be the base of Mikdash. And the base of Mikdash is going to be sacrifices. Sacrifices mean that we slaughter the animal. So in order to have the the paradigm of Mashiach, let's call it, the situation called Mashiach, you need to have sacrifice animals. How could you possibly have sacrificing if there's no laws about how to do the sacrificing? If you don't know the laws of how exactly you need to to move the knife when you're when you're sacrificing the animal... Or how to make the knife actually qualify to be able to sacrifice the animal. If you don't know these laws, how could you possibly do it? So the implication that when Mashiach comes, we're not going to have the laws of purity and impurity forbidden and permissible. Well, what about all the laws related to sacrifice? Of course, we're going to need to them. Is there such a person that was created that's able to the um, sacrifice, able to do ritual slaughter without knowing the laws at all, and just magically do it without you know um, the laws associated, the, the detailed um, um, you know nuanced laws of slaughtering, or a knife that stays absolutely perfect forever, doesn't ever need to be um, sharpened. Well, if you don't know how to sharpen the knife, well then you need to open up a halacha book. Well. Apparently, we're not going to need those when Mashiach comes. So, what's going on? Additionally, there's all these laws of the actual animal itself in regards to blood, in regards to the fat, and all these which have to be slaughtered, which don't have to be slaughtered, what you do with the blood, how you sprinkle the blood. There's so many laws. How is it possible to suggest that when Mashiach comes, we're not going to need to learn these laws and be able to do them effectively and do them correctly? Additionally, we're going to need to know the laws of passing away. Why? Because there's a very famous Pasuk that talks about the coming of Mashiach, Yeshaya writes, and he writes that a young man will die at the age of 100. Implication being that people are going to pass away, which also implies that we need to know about the ritual purity associated with death. And also, the Impurity that's associated with giving birth, a woman giving birth, there's certain types of impurity that's connected and certain laws that are connected to it. We're talking about all the 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 pregnant the, the, the incredible things about when she comes and say a woman's gonna get pregnant and then give birth at the same time. Well, wait up, she's getting pregnant, which means that she needs to know the laws associated with pregnancy. So im tailor isha ho yum biachas avapikain din is a time loyishana. A woman's gonna give birth every single day. 
and from the same um, intimacy and these laws of impurity that's going to be associated with her that she needs to know about they're not going to change. They're going to remain the same. So how is she going to know about them if she doesn't actually open up a book and, and learn the halakhas, the, 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 the back and forth of exactly what needs to go on? A halakha book is going to be ever so relevant when Mashiach comes. Says, I don't need to go at great length to explain this question. It's so obvious. When Mashiach comes, we're going to need to know laws. We need to know halacha. And so why are we suggesting when Mashiach comes? We're only going to be learning Zayah, not going to be any halacha. And the Alter says, you open up a Gemara, and the Gemara keeps on asking a law, a question, the question is asked about a law in regards to Mashiach. Well, why are we asking law, um, a question about a law that, that's going to be only relevant for Mashiach? If seemingly we, it won't be relevant for Mashiach, we're not going to learn these laws anyway. Alter says, of course, the, the answer is, it's going to be relevant. And another very famous expression in the Gemara, There are so many places in the Gemara where we have a question, and we say, oh, we don't know the answer. The rabbis argue back and forth, and at some point they're like, okay, we don't know the answer. You know what? When Eliyahu Navi comes back when, to announce Mashiach, well, in that case, he'll, he'll give us the answer then. Well, why do we need to know the answer? Well, why did the Gemara even suggest that? Seemingly, according to this, uh, this understanding of the Zayah, we don't need to know these laws anyway. So, of course, the answer is we do. Additional question. In the Zoya it says, terror scholars of Mashiach come won't be sustained by the simple people. Sorry. And they're not going to get sustenance when Mashiach comes from the era of Rav, from the mixed multitude, from the, the people that aren't behaving uh, appropriately, you know, from the you know, the people that Moshe Rabbeinu brought out from Egypt that weren't behaving appropriately. Because those people eat impurity and they're, 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 they're prohibited and unfit things. The Altima says, we already have precedent in history without Mashiach coming that there were rabbis, great rabbis, who were able to sustain themselves and they didn't need to rely on other people that would provide for them. Of course, the, 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 the generic status is that, you know, if Rabbi has been learning all day, he's going to need to have someone's help to support him and people are going to have to come and collect together to enable him to spend his whole day learning Torah. But we don't need Mashiach to come for that paradigm to be broken. We have so many examples throughout history of very great rabbis who didn't need other people to, to, to support them. So what's this implication of the Zaya? That only when Mashiach comes will you have a rabbi that's not going to need support for people that are eating impurity, etc. So this is, I'll read it inside now. So we have the, the, so many stories of great leading rabbis during the time of the second base of Midrash who were individually, independently wealthy, and they didn't need to be relied on to to sustain themselves from regular people who, you know, weren't involving themselves in in Zoya. In fact, not only that, says Al-Tareba, these people, what did they spend their time doing? They didn't spend their time learning Zoya all day, as is the implication of the Zoya. Rather, they spent their day learning Halacha. Learning what's forbidden and what's permissible. Exactly what the Zaya seems to be implying is not happening. And they had thousands and tens of thousands of students. And they learned Zaya in private. And the rest of the day they learned um, Halacha. But the point was, 
They were able to support themselves. They were independently wealthy, and they didn't need to get their money from from um, people supporting them. So again, another question on this very, you know, comp- um, nuanced zayar that makes us start to understand that it could be that we have no idea what's actually going on in the Zayah. Now the Atayab is going to continue and say, let's actually take a look carefully at the Zayah. Instead of just reading it quickly, let's actually start to, to pay attention to the details and the words, and let's see what the Zayah is really telling us. But it clearly isn't telling us what it seems to be saying in surface value, or that long Zayah we read yesterday can't be taken, just simple, uh, can't be understood with a simple read. Thank you so much for joining the Tanya Tanya Zalim Mishra Shashana Wayo Hadim Shalomani Salafans Khazarit from Daniel Kamanya on the Fushami Rabban Hamish Pesia Stabat Terminal Shabbos or Kay Hai Mashbacha, Dwayla with Elizabeth Slayer, Dwayla with Freda Hinda, Akrah was Eliza, Benalka Golden, Mushman Sarapat, Mun Hai Dwayla, Mushman Esther, and also Ilanisha Sonai Salafans Mukha, Sukhasari or Shani Ray's Violet. And also for the success for all the Jews around the world, especially those in Antisol, and for the soldiers who are defending the Jewish people. Thank you so much for joining. Have a wonderful and very successful day.